We left off last time discussing the next strategy of the Yetzirah that we learned. The first strategy that we learned was that the Yetzirah basically wants you to ignore the invisible side of the person. He just makes you focus on anything that's visible, which is your mouth, your eyes, your hands, your legs. All the physical attributes of the person, that's the only part that exists in this strategy of his. Anything that is invisible, your wisdom, your character, your midot, your legacy, your eternity, anything that has to do with the neshama, his first order of business is to try to Take that away from you so that you spend your whole life only spending time in the physical reality without building your spiritual your spirit your spiritual entity. Last time we said after you moved on from that, you're already beyond that. You're 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 more qualified of a customer than that. You understand there is the invisible side to you, and not only is it the side that is eternal, but even in this world, it's most necessary. Like we said many times, the most important part of the person is the part that you don't see, whether it's in a person with himself or with others in marriage with his children. What separates people is the invisible part, way more than the physical part. So once a person is convinced, that he has something much deeper in him, and also he's convinced that there is an eternity, this world is only a temporary place. So now, he's focused on the part of himself that is invisible, building his neshama, building his spirituality, building his wisdom, building his midot, building his avodat Hashem, building his service of Hashem, Says the Havot Alevavot, once you got to that section or you got to that level, now he has a new strategy for you. He tells you, tries to convince you that there's no obligation to serve the Creator or to do His will. There's no reason for it. That's what we end off last time. And he tries to explain it to you. He doesn't just tell you that and expect you to understand it, excuse me, or to follow that understanding. He gives you the backup. He tells you logical why there's no purpose here to serve the creator of the world. He says, because you only serve someone who needs your service. Did you ever see in life somebody serving somebody and the one that's being served doesn't need the service. You only serve someone who needs service. Even a very wealthy person, he's able to afford it, but he needs service. He needs someone to feed him. He needs someone to cook for him. He needs someone to carry him. He needs someone to, ride, to drive him. So a person that needs service can be served. But the creator of the world... Hakol yachol. 
He's everything. He's, he's, he, he's, he is the source of all energy and all things in this world. He doesn't need your service. Not only he doesn't need your service, but it doesn't benefit him. Sometimes a person doesn't need you. But if you do something, it benefits him. He doesn't need you to go visit him. But if you visit him, he likes it. He enjoys it. So he says, the creator neither needs your service, nor does he gain anything from your service. Lachen, therefore, and kol hesber, there's no logic, there's no explanation. There is no logic whatsoever to serving God. What are you doing serving God? You think when you keep Shabbat, you're giving Him something. You think when you eat kosher, you're giving Him something. You think when you learn Torah, you're giving Him something. You think He needs you. You think He benefits from you. You know that. He's way beyond you. He's the creator of the entire world. What are you wasting your time trying to serve someone who doesn't need your service? He's doing very well without you. And you're not able to do anything for him. Therefore, you're just spinning wheels. If you're, if you're here and you're keeping mitzvot, you're keeping your Shabbatot, you're making sure you do what's right, you make sure to stay away from wrong, you're wasting your time. There is no benefit. Whoever tells you there's a benefit is misleading you because it makes no sense to serve the Creator who needs no service. This is a very, very good claim. You'll find many people that whether it's a lot of things or in some areas, they kind of feel of what's the point of doing this? What's the point of doing that? Who really cares about this? What does it really matter? And the truth is we have to explain why does it matter? I mean, he has a good argument. Saying good. Why is it that we need to be a servant of someone who doesn't need service? So this we have to turn to Havot Alevavot first. In Sha'ar Avodata Elohim, he says over there, very clear, and we always must remember this, that when we speak about service of Hashem, first of all, before we say that, the highest badge of honor in this world is to be called an Eved Hashem. That is what great Jews throughout history have looked to achieve when they became Bar Mitzvah and they looked to see what their goals and vision and dreams it was to be an Eved Hashem. An Eved Hashem is the highest level, is the greatest achievement in a person's life to be a servant of Hashem. Maybe you've heard those words before. I'm not sure if we know exactly what they mean. But to be a servant of Hashem is the number one level that anyone could reach in this world. And that's what I told you many times. I'll read it inside for you. When you open up the end of the Torah in Vezota Beracha, when the Torah describes the death of the greatest man that ever lived, who we know so many accomplishments 
that Moshe Rabbeinu did in his life, but yet when the Torah came to eulogize him, it says, Vayamot Sham, Moshe Rabbeinu died over there. He went to Har Nevo, to the mountain of Nevo. Vayamot Sham Moshe, Moshe died there. So who is Moshe? Says the Torah, you want to know who Moshe is? He's the Eved Hashem. That's it, two words. No more, no more. No more words needed. Eved Hashem is the greatest badge of honor you could have in this world. What does it mean to be a servant of Hashem? That's the complaint of the Havot HaLevavot. What are you doing serving the creator of the world? So the Havot HaLevavot says in Shar Avodat Elohim, he says that don't misunderstand what the word Avodat Hashem means. Obviously Hashem doesn't need your work like he is saying. Avodat Hashem says the Havot HaLevavot means when somebody does you a favor so you feel obligated to give back to the person who did for you. And Eved Hashem is someone who feels indebted to the creator of the world and therefore wants to do what the creator told him. This is Avodat Hashem, someone who is committed to do the will of the Creator out of feeling of appreciation and gratitude. But there's a little more than that we need to explain. First of all, it's important to know this. I just wanted to discuss with you one word that we say every day. The most important part of the Torah, which is clear because the Torah does not tell us to go ahead and say any part of the Torah, the only one we have is Parashat Zachor. Parashat Zachor, we have to read it once a year. Small part. Some say also Parashat Para. Okay, but bottom line is we don't have too many parts in the Torah that we must say. We have to learn Torah as much as we can. But we don't have to learn any specific part. But when it comes to Shema Yisrael, that portion, Hashem says, you not only have to say it once a year, not only once a month, not once a week, not even once a day. Twice a day you have to say Shema. That means from all the wisdom of the Torah, and it's got a lot of chokmah, there are only, there's only that parashat, only that portion that we have to read it and not just read it but twice a day. Hashem says you can't go a morning, can't go 12 hours without reading Shema. It's important today for our purpose to understand what the word Shema means. The word Shema seems to be a simple word but really the proper understanding of Shema can make a very big difference in our lives. Simply the word Shema, as everybody would imagine, means to listen. Hashem says, listen, I got a lot of important things to tell you. Shema Yisrael, Hashem Eloheinu, Hashem Echad. There's a lot of beautiful things in the parasha of Shema. Hashem basically is saying, listen. You got to listen. I'm talking to you. Listen to me. 
But in Hebrew, there is another translation for the word Shema besides listen. It also means to understand. Like it says by Shalomo HaMelech, when he asked Hashem, please give me a lev shomea. Give me a mind that's capable of hearing. What does that mean, a mind that hears? It means a mind that understands. Even in English language, when people want to express that they understand, they sometimes say, I hear you. I hear you doesn't mean I heard you with my ears. It means I understand you. I hear you. I hear that. That is another translation of the word Shema. So it means to listen. Also, it means to understand. There's a third thing that it means. The third shot of Shema is to accept. To be mekabel, like it says, Shema beni Musar avicha. It says, says Shlomo Amelech, Shema beni, my son, listen to the direction of your father. It doesn't mean listen with your ears. It doesn't mean to understand. It means to accept. Shema beni, accept. Sometimes also in English, we use it the same way. Right? When you say, did you hear me? A father tells a son, did you hear me? He's not asking, did you hear? He's not even understanding if you understand. That's not what he's asking him. Basically, he's saying, are you accepting? Do you hear me? Meaning, are you accepting what I'm saying? So even in English, it is that way. So we have three definitions of the word Shema. Shema means to hear, it means to understand, and it means to accept. The question is, which one of those is the right translation for Shema Yisrael? Which one am I supposed to be thinking about when I'm reading Shema Yisrael? And it's coming to tell me a lot of important information. That Hashem is Ehad. There's a lot of beautiful things in that Shema. Am I supposed to understand Shema means Hashem wants me to listen? Hashem wants me to understand? Hashem wants me to accept? Which one of the Shema is the right one for Shema Yisrael? So which one of the three is the one I'm supposed to be thinking about when I say Shema. When I say Shema, I'm supposed to understand what I'm saying. Which one of the three? So Raymond said, right, it's all three. You have to think about all three because they're all right. You have, to, you have to listen, you have to understand, and you have to accept. Beautiful. The question is, this is an important question. The question is, what is the proper order of the three explanations of Shema? So simply, I'm sure if I ask anybody, the right order of the words Shema is to say, you have to listen, you have to understand, and then you accept. 
that will be the right order. You have to hear. You have to understand it, absorb it, understand it. And then you accept it. That would seem to be the right order of the Shema translations. However, in reality, this is a life of Gainam. I'm saying it straight. I know I shocked you. If you're looking to live a life of Gainam, in this world, there are two options. You could live in Gan Eden. You don't have to wait to Gan Eden to live there. You have to live in Gan Eden in this world. You can either live in Gan Eden or you can live in Gainam. Huh? Too much? You never, you never experienced Gainam? In this world, you can either live a life of Gan Eden or a life of Gainam. This is a fact. Now, it could be that you'll have some visits to both areas. You'll visit a little bit of Gainam, a little of Gan Eden. It could be. But the goal is to live a life in Gan Eden. That's the goal. That is the goal again of this world. And that is the true preparation for a life of Gan Eden. Is to live Gan Eden in this world. If you follow the formula that I just mentioned, where you listen, you understand, and then you accept, basically this is the formula to Gainam. It's Gainam in this world and of course the next world. Gainam. Your whole life you've been following that formula. The way you live your life, the way you make decisions, is you first listen, then you understand, and then you accept. This is a life leading to Gehinnam. Now, what is the proper order of Shema? The proper order is like this. Number one is you have to understand. After you understand, you have to accept. After you accept, you have to listen. Sounds weird, right? I know. The proper way to read the word Shema is, number one, it means to understand. Number two, it means to accept. And number three, it means to listen. Now, if you're wondering... How can I understand if I didn't yet listen? What am I understanding? Probably bothering you this question. Oh, it's a good question. So you have to understand the following words of Shalomu HaMelech in Mishle. Shalomu HaMelech says words that we've mentioned here before. Just to give you a quick run of that pasuk. He says... Very, very powerful words. That those who hear these words, if they hear them, they should stand up and say, Whoa, I wish I knew this a long time ago. He says, Kol derech ish yashar Every derech, every direction that a person has chosen in life in his eyes, it is Yashar. 
Yashar means straight. Straight to where? Straight to where? Straight to something that everybody desires. Straight to the place that everybody wants every day, every human. It is the place of happiness and satisfaction. Call derech ish yashar be'enab. Any road that a person chooses in their life, in any area, we have roads. In There's a road of how to be married. There's a road of how to raise a child. There's a road of how to wake up in the morning. There's a road of what you're supposed to be doing when somebody talks to you in not such a nice way. There's a road of how to go to sleep. There's a road of what you do with your free time. There's a derech in everything in life. We're not talking about specific actions that we do. We're talking about the general road that we're on in any area of life. Everybody's got their road. For example, I told you this once before. This was a clear, clear explanation of this pasuk. Some years ago, a fellow told me, he told me, Rabbi, I was talking about Hinuk. I was giving class on Hinuk. He told me, my house runs perfectly. He is dreaming, perfect. I told him, how did you manage that? He told me, in my house, nobody moves without asking me permission. No one opens their mouth before I accept. In my house, there's rules, and nobody steps out of line. They know that. If they step out of line, there's immediate consequences. So, wow. My house is quiet and obedient. He told me that's the, he told me his house is perfect. Though. Oh. Not only a month later, and I'm still giving classes on Hinu. Fellow comes up, right? He says, My house, beautiful house. He says, I don't tell my kids what to do at all. He says, I let them experience for themselves. They have to learn from their mistakes and they will become people on their own. I can't force them. I can't tell them. I can't direct them. They need to be themselves. I don't tell them what to do. Whenever they want to come home, they come home. Whatever they want to do, they do. My house is perfect. So you have two guys have opposite ways and each one says, my derech, my way is the way. Now, like that, there are thousands of examples of in life, each one has a derech. Each one has a way. And not only does he have a way, he's convinced that his way is the way. Says Shalomo Melech, a tremendous hidush. That no matter who you see in life, and no matter what way they've chosen, and no matter how much they're suffering in that derech, in their eyes, this is the way. You see a drug addict in the street, you look at him and say, this guy, Hazit, lost his way. He's off the derech. In his eyes, he's on the derech. This is the derech. He may make a mistake once in a while. He knows that like everybody else. But he is on the derech. He thinks you're off the derech. It's an unbelievable human reality. It starts, by the way, at a very young age. 
Think about it. You have a two-year-old that their father is holding his hand not to cross a busy street of cars. And the kid's screaming. He wants to cross the street. He wants to go to his friend across the street. His father says he can't cross the street. There's cars coming. He's screaming and crying. Already a two-year-old, you would think that a two-year-old, knowing that he is three foot tall, doesn't have much of a brain, can't even read and write, doesn't have the capability of adding one plus one, you would think that when his father tells him that you can't cross the street, he oh, wow, dad, thank you. I see what you're saying. Guess what? The kid is being held down after all that. Why? In his eyes, it's not even a question that you're supposed to cross the street. He looks at his father like he's some strange person that wants to cause him suffering because he can't understand why he can't cross the street. In his eyes, crossing the street is the way. I had a few months ago, there's an organization in the community that Baruch Hashem is open and helping people before they get married and before they have a child and before they, different stages of their life. So they, they asked me to give a class one night. They wanted to make a couple's night for newly married and about to get married. So they had a list of about 100 couples about to get married and newly married. So they asked me if I can give the boys section. They wanted to give a class for boys, for the men, and one for the ladies. Would I be able to give a class for the men? I said, of course, what, a, what an opportunity to help a hundred men build their home from the beginning. I agreed. About a week before the class, I asked the one who's organizing it, tell me how many sign-ups we had. I thought if a hundred were there, we'd have 95, 90, maybe a couple are away. For sure, there's going to be a class about the future of their marriage. It's going to be given by Rabbi Yedid, who could speak English. It's not, I'm not talking in Turkish, not talking in Hebrew. And they could probably understand a word or two that I'm saying. So I'm thinking for sure, we already have 95. So I asked the guy, how many guys you have? As well, he says, for the ladies, we have 120. They got 20 more. They're knocking down the doors. For the boys, we don't have a minyan yet. They have seven guys signed up. Now, I don't know if I should get offended by that. So I didn't take that route. I didn't take that derech. I didn't take it personally. I said seven out of a hundred people that are about to go into a marriage and they know, they've heard the statistics, they heard the jokes that come out of people's mouths, they know the reality that marriage could be gained up and they're going into a marriage and someone wants to help them ensure success and they don't even have a thought to come and hear. They know nothing about marriage. They've never been married. How would they not be knocking down someone's door to ask them for some guidance in this area? 
seven guys, seven from a hundred signed up to come. So I told them, listen, I said, Susan, I don't mind speaking to seven. It's seven homes. I'm happy to speak to seven. But what a, what a waste when these guys are gone. So they put pressure on the, on the woman. Basically to get there. Finally, after scraping and scraping and pushing and threatening. I told the guy, I'm not coming to your chupa if you don't go. Okay, he has to go. Okay, we did all kinds of tools. Finally, we got 30. 30. And let me tell you, when they walked in, their faces showed, I don't want to be here. I'm here because my fiancé forced me. That was the face that came in. They were very nice. They were very respectful. Don't get me wrong. But it was clear they sat down with no intentions of listening. They just came because they had to check the box. Okay, they checked the box. Anyway, during I understood where they're coming from. And during that hour that I spoke to them, I made them aware of certain things that obviously they knew nothing about. I try to bring it very much to life. I, I, an hour later, they walked out. I said, could you imagine you guys were going into marriage without knowing what I just told you tonight? And you understand that if you don't do what I tell you tonight, you're going to end up in Gainam in your marriage or somewhere close to it. It may be 500 degrees or maybe 400 or 250. I don't know. What's the difference? You, you don't know basic things. It's an unbelievable thing. But I bring that story to you to tell you how could it be a guy's getting married, knows the challenges, heard about how many people are either divorced or all kinds of gay now and that. How is he not breaking down someone's door to help him? Answer, because he has in his mind a derech. Now, what? capability does he have? Did he go to school for this derech? No. Did he study up on this derech? No. Did he have experience in this derech? No. So what possible source does he have for his derech? It's an unbelievable thing. Answer is, it's a way of life. Hashem created each person that he's capable of a derech. He has a derech in his mind and he thinks in his mind what could be? What could be? I'm getting married, of course, it's going to be awesome. And he has the derech. He doesn't even bother asking someone for advice. And even when someone offers it, he's saying to himself, what do I need this for? I know it, it's so clear to me. They're not bad people, these 30 guys or these 100 guys. They're not bad people. But they're so convinced that there's no reason to give them advice because they're so clear. Amazing. It, it would seem, you would never believe this is a reality, but it's a reality. How many people have a child for the first time, are calling, buying books, trying to learn up this, the, the, the subject and try, oh, I'm raising this kid. You know, raising kids could be a great failure. It could be a great success. You know that. So what is it that I'm going to do for this kid? How many people get the six pounder in the house for the first time and are out there trying to learn what they need to do? Statistics say, show almost none. None? You don't care about your son? You don't care about your daughter? Of course I do. So what do you mean? How are you going to raise them? What, what's the problem? I have a derech. Either like the guy before I told you, guy A, guy B, 
or anywhere in between, everyone's got to get it. What an unbelievable reality that Shlomo HaMelech has given us that no matter who you are, little, you're older, you're 95, no matter what your background is, educated, not educated, no matter how successful or how much you failed, doesn't matter. Whoever you are on this planet, that means whoever you see as well. This is very important also when you teach others. You have to know where they're coming from. You have to know where your child is coming from. You tell him something, he has a whole different understanding of what should be done. You tell your teenager, you know, you shouldn't be doing that. And he's thinking, what are you talking about? Even if you tell him the most obvious thing, he doesn't know what you're talking about. He thinks that you are either outdated or not capable or just trying to make his life miserable. He can't understand you. You tell him, Ruhi, don't smoke. He looks at you like, what? What are you saying? You understand? Not that, oh, it's hard for me. You know, I, I, it's a big challenge. No, it's not that. He doesn't know what you're talking about. You tell your son, you know, tomorrow you have to wake up at 7 o'clock. What? Why would I have to wake up at 7 o'clock? What is wrong with you? 7 o'clock, I have to wake up. Don't go out till the morning. You know, come home at 12 o'clock. Why? I can't understand it. Most people, when you talk to them, it's not that they argue with you. It's that they're so convinced that their way is the way. That they have no doubt. And anyone who says otherwise is from a different planet. And you have to know this is a reality by every person. The biggest loser in life, the guy who's a loser on 30 ends, but in his eyes, he is on the derech. Believe it or not. You look at him and say, you know, listen, you've lost. You know, you've lost. You've lost this. You've lost your parents. You've lost your siblings. You're fighting with this. You've lost that. You've lost your marriage. You've lost. Believe it or not, you sit with him. And in his eyes, again, maybe you'll agree he made a mistake here or there. People make mistakes. Everyone knows that. But in his eyes, he is convinced that he is on the derech in everything. Whether it's in relationships, whether it's in personal life, whether it's in religion, whether it's in character, in anything and everything. No matter who a person is, in his eyes, says Shalomu HaMelech, he is completely convinced that he is on the road. How do you find happiness in this life? Ask anybody. If they will open up to you, they'll give you their list. You know how you find happiness? One guy will tell you, you have to have a very beautiful home. You got to have a jet that's going to take you places. You're going to have to have a lot of money. Another guy. Another guy. Another guy will give you a whole opposite way of how he's going to do it. You have to go fishing. You got to go on the boat. You sit for five hours every day, six hours, sit on the boat. You go out very far where you can't see land anymore and you just sit there. Oh, it's so peaceful. I don't know how people don't spend their life fishing. It's so, and once in a while you get a fish too. 
and you just you you just sit there and it's oh it's Olamaba. You have no idea how awesome it is. You talk to that guy, he's fishing. That guy he tells you, listen, tennis, it's all about tennis. If you just focus on tennis, you don't know what tennis could do for you. <laughs> tennis is what it's all about. Another guy tells you, without golf, there's no life. If you don't play golf, you haven't lived in this world. You got to play golf. Another guy tells you, listen, you see the sun? Just look at it all day long. Let it watch you and let you watch it. And you just sit there for six, seven hours just looking at the sun. This is happiness. This is the way. This is the death. You follow? You, you guys, you getting the point? Huh? Should I give you more examples? Are you understanding it? You got it. Unbelievable. It's an unbelievable thing that every guy and his opposite all think they're on the perfect road. It's an unbelievable thing. A guy who plays video games all day long. All day long. That's all he does. You know, there are adults who spend every available minute in their life, and maybe sometimes not available, to play video games. It's the most unbelievable reality. They sit and play video games. Not talking about five-year-olds. Not ten-year-olds. Talking about regular grown men. One time, I was on the train from, from Deal to Penn Station, New York City. I'm sitting on a train. I had a laptop. I was writing. I was doing. I was learning. The guy next to me, guy with a tie, the suit, an older fellow, he got on, I think, in uh, maybe the Middletown Station. He sits next to me. And he's on his, he's got like this iPad, and he is on it the whole time. I see he's, pushing buttons, he's writing. He looks like a very hashuv guy. You know one of those guys you look like? He's... I said, you know, I don't even know who I'm sitting next to. For an hour and more, he's on this thing and he's all over. So by the time I had, I had like this yesera, I wanted to see like, what is he doing? Is he like in spreadsheets? Is he like signing deals? I don't know what he's doing. I look over, like, just trying to make it like I'm not looking at it. I can't believe it. He's playing a video game. I couldn't believe it. He's a, he was at least 55, 60, and he was so intense into the video game. I could not imagine playing a video game for about an hour and a half in the morning ride, the morning commute. You understand? Now you should know. He's looking at me. He thinks I'm crazy. You understand? He said, what are you doing? Are you learning? What are you doing? You crazy? Video game. This is the way to live life. If you want to make it to life, you got a video game. It's an unbelievable reality that every human, every human means you and me too, every person in their eyes, whatever derech they've chosen, some people, they don't work so hard. You know that? Ask them. They're lazy. But ask them why they don't work so hard. Nah. Life's not forever. Working so hard takes away years of your life. Enjoy your life as it's there. But, but, but you don't do anything. What are you enjoying? Nah, you don't have to work too hard. The guys who work too hard in their eyes are hazikes. The guy who works hard looks at that guy and says, you're crazy. It's all about hard work. Again, 
any example you can give, you will have a person that tells you, if they're in it, that is the derech. Call derech ish yashar be'enav. No matter who you are, and no matter what section of life, and no matter what your age is, and no matter what your failure or success rate is, in your eyes, you got it. You ever see a guy says, I got this one? So there's only one mistake about I got this one. Every person thinks they got everyone. I got this one. I got this one. I got this one. You could be the worst, worst, worst parent. In your eyes, you got this one. You could be the worst husband. You got it. You have to know this is a reality. Call derech ish yashar be'enav, says Shalomu HaMelech. What is that reality? When you understand this, what I just told you is not very complex. It's real. When you understand this pasuk, once you know this pasuk, so now you should have a tremendous dilemma. You should be shaking. If you know the reality of this pasuk, it should shake you up. Why should it shake you up? Because if every person thinks their derech is yashar, and for sure not every person is successful, how many people are walking around the world with bags and bags of regrets? Buckets and buckets of regrets. Even guys in this room, we may look back and certain things and say, I regret that. I wish I didn't say that. I wish I didn't go there. I wish I, did, I, I used my time better when I was in school. I wish I raised my children a little bit better. I wish I could have been married earlier, made better decisions. I would, how many regrets a person has in life? So many regrets. I wish I would have learned more when I was younger. I wish I would have helped more people. I wish. Clearly, not every person is successful in life. That's for sure. In fact, it's the overwhelming minority that a person could say, I live life successfully. That I am very, very happy with the results in my marriage, with my children, with my friends, with my life, with the thing I do in my spare time. I'm very satisfied. Very not normal. The normal life is not to be successful. So we got a problem. That means just because you think your way is the way, it may not be the way. You're no different than anybody else. And once you know that your way could be off, even though you're convinced that it's the way, this is the way to keep Shabbat, this is the way to live your life in any matter, once you're convinced it's the way, it doesn't mean it's right. You are not reliable. Your approach to life and to any matter is unreliable. You're not a reliable source. So even if you see it clear, it doesn't mean anything. You can't rely on your own derech. Because everybody has the same feeling about their derech. Where they picked up their derech from, who knows? Maybe they were born with it. Maybe they learned it from their parents. Maybe they learned it from their neighbors. Maybe they picked it up from magazines. Maybe they just dreamed of it. Who knows where you got your derech from? You're unreliable. You could be on the worst derech possible for what you're looking for, but you wouldn't know it. You only could later on have to pick up the pieces that are broken, but you wouldn't know it. So it's a very big dilemma now. Once you know this pasuk, the dilemma is, one second, so if my derech 
in any area could be off. And I wouldn't know it. So how am I supposed to know if my derech is the right derech? How am I supposed to know? If every derech I have chosen or I think is a derech could be wrong and I'm not reliable to testify in that derech that it's right, even though I'm convinced. So how am I supposed to know what is the right derech for a marriage, for raising a child, for everything in life? How am I supposed to know? That would be the dilemma of every honest, caring person who's willing to open his ears and listen and say, wow, I get this. I understand this. This is the first Shema. The first Shema is to understand that you and I are not reliable. You must have this step in your life. You must accept and understand that you're not reliable for any derech that you've chosen in life. Not reliable. Once you have a person who knows they're not reliable, there's someone to talk to. Your teenager thinks his opinion is reliable. Therefore, no matter what you tell him, he's not listening to you. He may do it out of fear, but he's not listening to you because in his mind he's reliable. People who rely on their own opinions are people that cannot learn anything. So it's a waste of time to say, Shema, listen, if he's a guy who doesn't understand this yet. What's he listening to? He's going to listen to what you say and he's going to disagree with you. He's going to listen and say, that doesn't sound right. I have it much clearer than that. This is the first step of Shema. The first step of Shema is understand that you're unreliable for any derech you've chosen in life, no matter what your age and no matter what your source, you are not reliable. Have a good day. We'll continue tomorrow.